All right. If you want to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus, and in chapter 15, half the chapter is a song of celebration because he parted the waters. They're no longer a slave to fear. They're no longer in Egypt. God parts the waters. Israel walks across. Moses leads them, and the whole Egyptian army is drowned. And they're having this high mountaintop experience. And, and, and we need those. And I'm hoping that we have one next week. You know, you can't predict it, and I can't produce it, but I'm praying for it. So I'm praying that the Lord will just meet us in a fresh way next week. And uh, so Moses sings this song, and, and, and it ends with his sister Miriam, who's the first prophetess mentioned in the Bible, female prophet, which not just, didn't just mean she spoke the word of God, but she was a leader. Um, and so uh, God is celebrating with his people this great victory. It ends with her, verse 21, Miriam sings, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider, he's hurled into the sea. This is, ah, this is unbelievable territory. This is comparable to us of coming to Jesus, being baptized, the waters are open, God's forgiven our, it's, it's, it's experiencing of God. Then the very next verse, 22, then Moses led the people of Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. Now, from mountaintop to desert, I never forget a number of years ago, a lot of years ago, we actually had a men's retreat uh, on uh, Keokasta Island. In, in uh, I think it was September, which is stupid if you know anything about September and the islands with no AC camping and the mosquitoes were insane. And we had this giant fire and it was very tribal. Anybody here that was there at that one? No, Rich, you were there. Well, we won't go on how you got there. We won't go down that road. Coast Guard, lost, uh, he and his brother on jet ski. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But... <laughs> And your brother showed up, he'd stepped on something, yeah, bleeding all over, yeah. Anyway, we had this amazing weekend. That would have been a lot of years ago. And so this one particular guy got deeply touched by God. I mean, deeply touched. It was a, and he needed it. And we all need it, but he really needed it. And he was just one of those personalities that wasn't a lot of fun to be around. Anyway, he had joy, and it was just, it was, it was, it was singing this song, basically, the horse and rider. So we're leaving the retreat. We hadn't even got off the island yet, and there's like a, a, a tram that would take people. And somehow his fishing poles got dropped, and the tram ran him over. Now, you know, I get it. Fishing poles are, can be expensive, valuable, whatever. He lost every ounce of joy before he ever got off that island. When he got back to the church that day, he was screaming at me about his fishing poles. And I'm like, dude, dude, they're just poles. You know, get over it. Don't lose what God did in you. He lost it. And the enemy loves to wait on us. Some of our most vulnerable times are when everything's going really good in life. Who really needs Jesus when it's going really good? I mean, wise people know that I need Jesus when it's good and I need Jesus when it's bad. Well, anyway, there's three degrees of testing we're going to look at this morning. That you, No matter where you are, when you follow Christ, you're going to go through this some season of this in your life. The first season is the season of in the desert from the mountaintop. The desert in the spiritual realm represents a time where emotions are spent. You're joyless. There, there's, you're just putting one foot in front of another. Sadly, some people live in that. 
But it, it's never meant to be a zip code. It's a test. And you're not in the desert because God's mad at you. You're in the desert because that's just part of growth in the spiritual life. You don't grow without times in the desert. Marriages go through desert times where there's no affection, no feeling, no sense of, wow, whoopee, whoopee. You know, and, 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 and you can't, you could say at that point, well, we really don't love each other anymore. No, it's just a season. And, and, and you, you press through, you don't quit doing the things you do uh, uh, just because the feelings are gone. Like after the hurricane, I had the hardest time having a quiet time with the Lord. My mind was racing. Every time I shut my eyes, all I could see was the rubble. And, and I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I'm like, Lord, I, I got to focus. I, I need, and, and God was with us uh, every step of the way. And, and we knew that. But I couldn't, I, I like to journal. I like to write out things God showed me. Nothing. I couldn't, you know, I'd, so I, I would resort to just writing out a weak prayer. Uh, and, and I, and, but I learned enough and know enough not to be hard on myself. Because it was a traumatic time for all of us. And some of you are still in that trauma of grief and disorientation. And, and when you take everything you own... And you put it into a suitcase, not everything you own, that'd be a big suitcase. You take everything that's important to you, and you get on a little rubber boat with a Coast Guard, and you drive off an island being thinking that you won't see your home again for months unless you go there by boat. Uh, it, it's traumatizing. And some of you have lost your homes. You're not able to live in them uh, right now. We got back into our home uh, four days ago. And I, I tell you, it was a supernatural experience. I mean, it was just, you know, getting back in your bed and uh, just being home. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, and there's adjustments to be made. And I've seen neighbors that I never could see before because the trees are all gone. It's like, we've got someone living right behind us, honey. We never knew that. The fence is gone. The trees are gone. And it's like, hey, we've got neighbors. They, how'd they get in there so close to us? But so in the desert, it's a, it's a test. You know, it, it's just going to test you. Will you keep serving the Lord even though there's not the emotions of excitement about it? Now, you don't live in that. If, if you've been in the desert for years, something's broken. That's unhealthy. There's seasons. I don't know how long it'll be. For them, it was only three days, but three days without water? Let me tell you something. I learned in the storm this time. If I had to choose between water and power, I'm going for water all day long. Add in there drinking water. Now, if you're stuck without power, light a candle. But if you don't have water, you don't have, you, you, you're not bathing. You're not flush. We bucket flushed our toilets out of a pool that was septic. I mean, it was nasty. It was nastier than the toilet. I'm like, why flush? It was just nasty. You know, you can't, without water and people without power, many that ha are on wells have no, no, no water. And you, you go, you try, to, you try to bathe in a bucket. It's just, I'm not, I'm not made for that. That's not, you know, and so water is, these people are three days without water, but they're in the desert. There's nothing. There's no, they're, 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 and so there's this stuff that rises up in them that's not good. And they're complaining and they're, they're angry. Look what it says in chapter uh, 15 verse 22, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur for three days. They traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. Now here's second level. One thing is go through a dry time. Another thing is go through a dry time and think there's something coming that's going to help you. 
and it's worse than the dry time. You can go from bad. You ever, here's something, let me just give you a little wisdom. Never say, boy, nothing could ever be as bad as that. I had a neighbor one time, and I said, nothing could be as bad as that neighbor. The next neighbor would beg me to bang the other one back. We went from bad to worse. It was a nightmare. I mean, a nightmare. I'd lay in bed at night thinking about things that are just not good for a pastor to think, ain't even a Christian to think about. Don't, don't ever, you know, don't ever say, woo, wow, thank God, it'll never be as bad as that. That's like a challenge for the enemy. He's like, challenge accepted. Let's show you worse. So these people, they finally see provision, water, water. You can see them running. It's, it's, it's not a mirage. It's really there. But they throw their face in, and it's, they're puking. You can imagine dysentery immediately running through. This is poisoned. God didn't poison the water. The enemy got ahead of them. And he poisoned what they were putting their hope and trust in, that they would find the water, and Moses would lead them there, and he's the hero until they drink it. And it's like, ah, nothing worse than an expectation that's failed. That happened to me in the storm. Not only did I have that desert, I had that, because you know, look what these people do when they, they drink the water. And it says in verse 24, so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink, you moron? They didn't say moron there, but that's the implication. You're a horrible leader. What they really wanted to say is God's a terrible God. That's what they wanted to say. They, 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 they put it all on the human that they could get their hands on, but they really were frustrated that God would let that happen. How could you let that happen? We're in a need here, and you let what looked like a solution become a bigger problem. And, and Moses is, is getting the blame for this. And for me, it happened because you don't realize expectations, you know, especially if you're justice-related. And my personality is a justice related personality. You, if this is your job, do your job. That, that's, that, it, this is your job, do your job. That's just how I'm wired. I, well, if, they, if you work for us, you know, this is your job, do your job. Don't whine about it or go get another job. That's just how we, it, it's a little old school. I get that. Young people don't want to hear, well, it's not like it. It's hard. Do your job. That's what you're paid to do. You do. So I had expectations and structure and leaders. And, and in my mind, they weren't responding the way they ought to be. I was like these people. I was angry, grumbling, complaining. And I complained to them. I didn't go on Facebook. And I, that's not how you solve problems in the kingdom of God. If you've got a problem with somebody, you go to who you have a problem with. And I did. And, and now I so deeply regret it because it wasn't on them. It was just something in the timing of God when they finally came. It was the perfect time that they came. And our national leaders were here. And we heard what they've been going through personally and the attacks they've been under and leadership. And I, I, I wanted to just tell them to leave. Don't even be with us because we don't deserve you to be here. And I was just so humbled. And, but my expectations were on humans. And I'm telling you, me, Pastor Kim, any pastor in this church, any, 
any leader, they're going to let you down at some point. They can't be Jesus to you. They can be the best they can be, but at best, that's a blurred, weak expression, ugly of what Jesus could be to you. And you're going to get let down by people. And in that moment of disillusion, it's another level of test because you're frustrated, you're angry. This is the way it ought to be, and it's not. And whether it's FEMA or whether it's going to be the, you know, you will be let down by human systems. So these people are let down, but it's not God because God is up to something here. This is a, this is a test. And when you're in a test, you see what's in you. And I saw things in me that weren't good. And so what do you do when you find things in you that aren't good? You repent. And I repented and, and God healed and God restored. And so, so here they are bitter they, 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 they failed the first test in the desert. It's worse now with the bitter waters. Now they get a, a, a third shot at it. And it says in verse 25, Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Now think about that. What's the answer to your prayer? A stick. God's going to give him a stick. Now you think, come on. I've got a, I've got a million plus people that are PO'd at me. And you're going to give me a stick to solve the problem? A piece of wood, a bush? Now, there are some, you know, one of the blessings I have in studying is reading what many, many other people have said about the, whatever it is I'm studying. And they go insane, these bright people, trying to figure out what kind of stick was it? What kind of tree that had the healing properties, the homopathic tree of healing of the, you know, that had the same, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, no, it's just a stick. It's a tree. It's not about the tree. It's about the God that's on the tree. It's not about the stick that's going to hey, God just says, hey, I want to show you I can use anything and make things better. I'm not limited to whatever. And so Moses, he's get this stick and God says, take the stick, go to the bitter waters, walk in it and put it in the water. And he did. He obeyed God. And look what it says happened. When he put the stick and threw it in the water, verse 25, he threw it into the water and the water became, say it with me, sweet. What's sweeter than honey? Listen to me. God didn't purify the water. He purified and sweetened the water. There's a difference. He could have just taken the toxins out. He could have just withdrawn the poison. He could have just removed the toxicity of the water. And it would have just been water. Water tastes like water. Now there's water nowadays that have all kinds of stuff added to it and, and not sure it's still water, but it's, uh, there's a sweetness and alkaline, blah, 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 blah. But God, th this is what I want you to see this morning. In bitter times, you have the blessing, potentially, of learning about a God that can heal water. And when he does, it's not just water. It's now honey water. It's sweeter than honey. It's something happened to the water. In fact, God goes on and tells them, look in verse uh, 26, uh, or at the end of verse, uh, or end of verse 25. 
There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. Ah, this is about God's testing me. He's showing me what's in my heart, and he wants to show me who he is. Verse 26, if you listen carefully to my voice, the Lord says, and do what's right in my eyes, if you pay attention to my commandments and keep all the decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's a, it's a rep, the, the Hebrew word is Jehovah Ropha, R-O-P-H-E, Jehovah Ropha, or maybe R-A-P-H-A. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's pronounced Ropha. I've always said it Rofi, but it's Ropha. But if you want to be a redneck version, it's Rofi, but the accurate version is Ropha. Jehovah Ropha. It's, you've heard of some of you, you sing those on Jehovah Jireh, means the Lord my provider. This means the Lord who in his nature his being, his character, who he is, is healing. So never think sickness is a result of God. Sickness is not in his nature. Healing is. It's like storms are not in God's nature, but he allows them. The enemy wants to destroy nature. nature do you know how nature grieves? I thought about this tree that Moses used, and what an honor it had a being used. And, and many of you have already made the, the association in your mind that there was, a, there was a tree before this tree in the Garden of Eden. And from that tree grew a fruit that they weren't allowed to eat. And when they did, their eyes were opened in a, in a way that was unhealthy and unholy, and sin entered the world. And now we see a tree being a source of healing for the bitterness of the world. But First Peter the Apostle Peter describes this tree. I hope we changed versions on this. Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, anyway, so I'll, I'll make my, I'll self-correct. But I'll just read the scripture, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on, it should say, the tree. It says the cross in this version. That's an interpretation. It's the tree so that we might die to our sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you've been healed. There's a tree that this tree in Exodus is a picture of. It's the tree of the cross. And can you imagine that tree? And there's stories, legends that are told about it, and there's children's stories. Can you think, I just, I love trees. That's why I've been grieving. We spent thousands of dollars just having trees removed off our property exotic trees and trees I still don't even know the name of, but I, I, they're friends and, and, and we've had funerals for them and they're drug out and cut up with chainsaws and, and it's, it's trees are, but you think about the tree that got to be the tree that they carved the cross of Jesus out of. Just think about that tree because there's a connection between creation and our sin. There's a, connect, a connection between creation and our bitterness Creation groans. You don't think the animals aren't disheveled after a hurricane? I mean, the birds, they don't know what to do. It's like, I was landing in that tree. It's gone. My squirrels have gone insane because their highways blew up. You know, they always ran along the fence. It's gone. Then they blew up that tree. It's gone. Now they're hawk food. And I happen to like hawks better than I do squirrels, so I'm cheering for the hawks. And so, I don't know, I know, squirrels are God's creation too, but so are hawks, and they eat squirrels, and it's really exciting to watch them kill them. And so, <laughs> circle of life, you know, you just gotta, you gotta circle of life. It's just, it's just the way it rolls. 
And life's hard, even for a squirrel. And so you, you see the creation, if you ride around and you look at the trees, if you could hear them, there's a, there's a groaning. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to, they're not supposed to be all crushed and stripped bare. And, and, and it's just, that's not the way God wants the world. It's not the way it's going to be. There's a part of the sweetening that shows you a taste of what's coming. But Jesus took the tree of the cross and absorbed our sins and our pain. Listen to me. There's two sons in the Bible that Jesus tells a story. One's a prodigal son. He runs away, makes all kinds of bad decisions. He's a terrible son, but he comes home and he learns something about his dad that the other brother never learned. He learned that I have a dad that's kind and forgiving. I never knew what forgiveness was. When I grew up, I never knew what forgiveness was. I never thought I needed forgiveness. Let's start there. I never knew we didn't have a home built on kindness and forgiveness. I, 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 but when I sinned greatly, embarrassed my family, when I saw my dad for the first time, he didn't use the words, I forgive you, but he put his arms around me and he cried. I'd never seen him cry. I'm 18 years old, never seen him cry. I learned my dad cries. I'm like, wow, he's human. And he exemplified grace to me. He didn't know what to call it. But it was at my lowest moment he defined himself as my father, as a father that had compassion. And when I met God, I didn't, you can have all kinds of theology about God, but if you don't know what it is to feel dirty and then to be clean, if you don't know what it is to have failed greatly in life and let God heal and restore you and put the, put the tree of bitter in the bitter waters and make it sweet again. You know, I thought this week, all, all the whole month, God has been giving us little trees to throw in the water. Little Ian that gave his heart to Jesus the first Sunday. You know, that was our first tree in the water. And then watching God do things in our church. And, you know, we've been serving meals that are just simply a stick that put in the people's bitter waters that says, God hadn't forgotten you. That's why we did a food truck that we're, that's still in the hospital and it's going to be healed. It'll be restored. That's what God does. It'll be better than ever. And we're going to go places and we're not going to solve all the world's problems, but we're going to give somebody something nice and sweet and say, hey, God hadn't forgotten you. He's not mad at you. There's not one drop of anger in Hurricane Ian that was from God. There's no anger in it from God. The anger is from the enemy. The kindness is from God. And the honey is from the Lord. And so God says, I, I'm going to, if you hadn't been to bitter waters, how would you know I'm the God that heals? If you hadn't gone through a hard time in your marriage, how would you know that God's a restorer? If you hadn't struggled with a child in rebellion, how would you ever know what it's like to be a parent that forgives? If you, if you never failed personally in your life, how would you ever know the patience of a God that Loves you even when you're unlovable. Those are things you can't learn it in a book. you got to experience it. And God says, you're going to learn something in these bitter waters. I'm not mad at you. I want to show you who I am. I don't just clean the water up. It's kind of ironic. I'm preaching this message. Didn't plan this. But I gave my son-in-law permission to miss church today because my pool has been septic since the storm. I have no screen, so I didn't lose any screen. I've never had a screen. 
And so, and it's just, it's vile. Stuff moves in there. It's just, it's moving. It's a, it's a mass of, and these, these little bugs, billions of them. I don't know what they are, but it moves. And we even had an armadillo fall in the pool. He thought it was home. It was like, whee, it's nasty. Armadillos are nasty. Didn't you, Jason, you pulled it out with your bare hands. Why would you touch them? Don't you know they're na the pool's nasty, but you'd already washed off using the pool as this water to wash with. Then you can't get clean with dirty water. It just doesn't work that way. You can scrub all you want, but you're still dirty. Anyway, my pool, I just got pictures of it. It's been ash, all the, is out, and it's been acid washed, and it's clean, and it's filling up with water as we're talking. I'm going to go home to a clean pool. Now, I didn't throw a stick in there. I threw a son-in-law and two grandkids in there. <laughs> my grandkids got ones up there, and it was so nasty. He was in it yesterday. He said, I'd rather run the camera in church and let my brothers are stupid and go back. It's a way to train your child that he's going to stay in college when you make him work in that kind of pool. And he finally, the one grandson said to his dad, I'm done. I don't care about the money. I'm done. This is my last pool. He said, oh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. I'm done, Dad. I don't care. He's going to be an engineer. He'll hire people to do his pool when he's in. He's going to be an engineer. And Dad says, no, you got one more pool. I'm not doing another pool, Dad. You got one more. It's not about money. It's Grandpa. You know he doesn't pay. And so... <laughs> so God's cleaning our pool. There's something about being able to look at your pool from a cesspool to clean. I think about that bitter waters and how God cleans it. It's, again, it's not just clean. It's sweet. How does he do that? Only God can take the evil of the enemy, the pain that's been caused in your life, the heartache, the dis disillusionment, the bitterness, the, the, the violation maybe you've experienced. Only God can take that in such a way that you say, I'm almost could be thankful that it happened just so I could experience the sweetness of your redemption, but it never makes evil good. It just means God doesn't just defeat evil. He overthrows it and changes it, transforms it. Out of the dead lion comes honey. Out of the pain of life, disillusionment, bitterness. When you stand at those waters and you think, oh my gosh, how could they ever be? God throws a stick in and he takes the poison and he drops one drop of honey of heaven. Sweeten the waters. Ask God. That's what he's going to do. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He didn't, he's not going to lose. He doesn't go, oh my gosh, oh myself. What am I going to do about Cape Coral, Lee County, and Pine Island? And, and he's on it. And it's still painful. We have people this morning, they've lost their homes and others are displaced. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a long march. Everybody, everybody's forgotten about us already. You can count on that. It's not on the news anywhere. Maybe a bloop and move on. It's old news. They've all moved on. And they think because the storm's passed and power's back on, life's all fine. They've never driven down roads and seen everything people own on the side of the road. They don't know what that means. They don't know until you've lived in it, you don't know. And then when you've drug everything that's precious to you to the side of the road with a stench in it that only nasty salt water could bring, 
you just don't know. Business is lost and, and giant, it's just, and so it's not that we're on our own. It's that we got our eyes on the gone that's going to make better. Not just got it back to where it was, better than it ever had been. He can do that in marriages. He can do that in children. He can do that in homes, jobs, economy. He's a God that redeems, restores. Healing isn't just resetting the dislocated arm. It's restoring it stronger than it was before it was injured. And that's our God, if you'll let him, by taking the stick, throwing it in the water, doing your part, saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Remember, test one, make it through the desert, no emotions. Test two, what do you do when you're disillusioned and bitter things happen? Step three, trust God that he's up for it. He's the healer. You can't know he's the healer until you've experienced the sickness. You, just, you, you, you can't know he's a sustainer and a provider until you trust him with your provision. You can't know that he's the God that loves and unconditionally until you're in a place where there's no reason for anyone to love you and he still loves you. I've learned that about him in those points in my life when I've been so unlovable and he still loved me. That's sweeter than honey. That's God taking bitter things and loving us. The one son never knew his dad that way. He never thought he really needed that kind of forgiveness. He just worked hard, did his job, and was distant from his dad because he never failed in his mind, like his younger brother. But when you failed and you've drank the bitter waters, you get to drink the sweet waters of a dad's tears, the sweet waters of a dad's hug, the sweet waters of a dad's kisses, the sweet waters of the dad's robe and ring and shoes. So maybe today you're at a place where bitter waters in your life and you need his mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness, his love. And maybe you're just at a point where you're exhausted and you need his peace and his rest. And, you know, I finally sleep at night without seeing images in my mind. I get it about people with post-traumatic stress syndrome. I, I've never understood that. Um, people that have been in wars and police officers and paramedics and people that have seen horrible things and you can't get it out of your mind. It's only God can take and come into those places and take what is bitter and make it sweet. And he can do it. It's a process. It's not, it's not an instantaneous, though sometimes things happen quickly. But sometimes it's a, it's a journey. But if you lose hope that you're going to get to know God in a better way than you've ever known him through this. You're going to get to know the Father in a better way. You're going to learn things about him you could never learn in a book, even reading the Bible. You can read in the Bible that God is gracious and kind. Okay. But when you taste and see the honey of his graciousness and kindness, when you taste and see that he's good, you're like, he's good. He's, you know what? God's good. Well, we knew that. We read the Bible. God is good. God is great. But I tasted it. He turned my bitter waters into sweet. His honey dripped on me of mercy and forgiveness and kindness. Jehovah Orofa, the Lord who is our healer, our physician, our doctor, Dr. Jesus. He's in the house. Let him heal you.